0: Let's continue. Key point number two. Queen Vashti did not abandon her conviction after the king's decree. In other words, the king didn't make this decree and the queen just say, oh, you're right. You know what? I, I no longer have those convictions. I'm going to—I now change my mind. Let's pick up verse 13 through the end of the chapter. Here's what it says. Then the king said to the wise men who understood the times, for this was the king's manner toward all who knew law and justice. Those closest to him being Karshina, Shethar, Admatha, Tarshish, Maris, Marzina, and Mikukan, the seven princes of Persia and Media who had access to the king's presence and who had ranked highest in the kingdom. What shall we do to Queen Vashti according to the law because she did not obey the command? Of King Ahazuras, brought to her by the eunuchs. Mamukan answered before the king and the princes. "Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but also all the princes and all the people who are in the provinces of King Ahazuras. for the queen's behavior will become known to all the women so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes. When they report, King Ahasuerus commanded Queen Vashti to be brought before him, him, but she did not come. This very day, the noble ladies of Persia and Media will say to all the king's officials that they have heard of the behavior of the queen. Thus, there will be excessive contempt and wrath. If it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him and let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians and the Medes so that it will not be altered, that Vashti shall come no more before King Ahasuerus, and let the king give her royal position to another who is better than she. When the king's decree which he will make is proclaimed throughout all his empire, for it is great. All wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. And the reply pleased the king and the princes, and the king did according to the word of Mamucan. Then he sent letters to all the king's provinces, to each province in its own script, and to every people in their own language, that each man should be master in his house, and speak in the language of his own people well there's portions of that i couldn't help uh, but laugh at and we'll we'll see why here in a moment but when our ego is challenged i think it releases some type of poison that prompts us to actions that are in complete contrast to a life that is submitted to the lord in humility i can't help but wonder How much carnage has been done when when men choose to mix alcohol with their ego. Now, that's not the message of today. I'm not focused on that. But that is certainly the context of the passage. I mean, the king was merry with wine. He was drunk. And you add to that this description of his ego, and it is a recipe for disaster. I mean after the king made the decree that uh, she is to be banned she didn't say oh you are so right thank you for teaching me a lesson the king consulted seven counselors think about that to advise him and unfortunately his counselors were nothing more than self-seeking promoters who knew who knew how to flatter the king to secure their own status. And what did they do? They exaggerated the event. I mean, when Mimoukan went before the king and he's talking before King Ahazurus and the princes, he's like, listen, Queen Vashti has not only wronged the king, but she has wronged all the princes and all the people and all the provinces. So you hear their exaggeration right off the bat. The queen's behavior will become known to all the women the term the term that's used there is just women in general throughout the provinces so that they will despise their husbands in their eyes when they report king ahazurus commanded queen vashti to be brought brought in before him but she did not come they're they're basically saying look how scandalous this is and then they go, not only will all the women think of this, then they escalated again. They're, listen, even the noble ladies. In other words, those women of aristocratic class in Persia and media, those women, those women are going to be oh, aghast at the scandal that she didn't come in at the king's command. So they advised the king to do what? To depose Vashti. And furthermore, if he deposed her, they promised a particular outcome. In verses 19 and 20, And if it pleases the king, let a royal decree go out from him. Let it be recorded in the laws of the Persians, the Medes, so that it was, that it's not to be altered. And that Vashti shall come no more before the king. And let the king give her royal position to another better than she. Verse 20, When the king's decree which he will make is proclaimed throughout all his empire, Here's the promise. All the wives will honor their husbands, both great and small. <laughs> I laugh when I read that. How ridiculous is that? I mean, think about that. Now, Granted, I would say every woman in the room was already laughing at that, going, oh yeah, oh yeah, that decree, I'm going to respect my husband and honor him so much more Because he treated his wife the way that he did, right? No, of course not. Every woman in the room saw saw it and laughs. And laughs at how foolish these so-called wise men are. These are wise men making this recommendation. And wise men saying, you make this decree and all the women are going to honor. Oh, they're going to honor their husbands. Again, let me remind you, alcohol and ego. But there's two things to keep in mind. When you're, when you're reading Scripture, that's going to help us tremendously. Whenever you read Scripture, there's two things that's going on that, that, um, that we need to discern. One is, when is Scripture simply describing something that took place? And when is scripture prescribing something for you? What I mean by that is we have to have a discernment between is the scripture is the scriptures telling me that this is what I'm supposed to do, prescribed, or is the scripture just telling me this is what happened, described. This is a good example of description, not prescription. Nowhere in scripture are we ever going to find men, if you, if you make an example of your wife and you teach her a good lesson and she and all the other women that observe, they're going to honor their husbands even more so. No, that's just describing what happened. That is not a prescription for how marriage is supposed to work. That is not a prescription at all. It's just simply describing the events. This is what King Ahazurus did. This is what Queen Vashti did. This is what the wise men said. This is how it it played out. But we don't read the book of Esther looking for moral examples of how to live. That's not our purpose. We're not looking for prescription. We're simply looking at description. So we've seen this description of the husband, King Ahazurus. But let's consider the prescription as found in Scripture that's found in Ephesians 5. There's this contrast, really, between the two. So the Scriptures didn't just leave us without, a, uh, without how we should act as husbands. It did give us some really good insight, but unfortunately, Esther is not the model. Esther is just simple, uh, the, the book of Esther, and specifically the king and queen here. But if you listen to Ephesians 5, we have, in contrast to the description of, of, of Esther 1, we have Ephesians 5, which is a good prescription. And it's telling us this is what you're supposed to do. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he, Christ, might present her, the church, to himself, again, Christ, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's the prescription. The prescription is basically saying, now, this is how you are to act. This is how you are to love your wives. You want a change of heart? It doesn't come by royal decree. Changes of heart come from the gospel. Now let's look at verse 20, 27 again. Listen to this. That he, originally, we read that as, and that's understood as Christ. But I want you to listen to this in context of not Christ and the church, but listen to it in the context of husband and wife. That he, the husband might present her, the wife, to himself, the husband. A glorious wife, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. Here's what I'm getting at. You should have Jesus' goggles on when you look at your wife. You remember the video at the beginning of the, of the message and we're looking at the mom goggles and the mom goggles have a certain lens through which they're looking at their children. And every time that they look at their children, they see them in a particular way. Men, we must have on Jesus' goggles when we look at our wife. When we look at her, we are to speak about things from God's word. Why? Because it says, um, just, as, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that's how we're to love her. And that we might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. And in other words, we should be having conversations about what? God's word. The only way that we can do that is if we put on the Jesus goggles and see our wife. In the way that jesus does so hearts are not changed because a king issues a decree hearts are not changed when congress passes laws hearts are not changed with threats hearts are not changed with the silent treatment hearts are not changed when you try to teach your spouse a lesson oh that'll show them no hearts are changed when we submit the life-changing power of the gospel and that requires humility something that King Ahasuerus lacked